we are now uh, in week three, <coughs> excuse me, week three of our series called I Am, uh, leading us up into Easter and really just kind of building on the foundation that we laid in the first few weeks of, of the year, which for me was in February after sabbatical, but uh, the first few weeks that I was back, we kind of laid this foundation of, of what does this look like uh, to, uh, to build, what does it look like to build intimacy with God this year? We talked about building intimacy with God through prayer. We talked about praying with a missional mindset. What does it look like to do this? And as we, as we build intimacy with God, as we build this relationship with God, then what begins to happen, right, is we begin to, to grow in him, to grow more like him as we build intimacy with him. So over the course of this series, we've just sort of been building upon the foundation that we laid during that series of building intimacy with God. And really what we've been talking about is who is he, right? Who, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Especially as we lead into Easter. Who is Jesus? Why is it so important that I build a relationship with Jesus? What does he mean to me? What is he to me? And the first, we, we, we looked at this and we've been spending time in the book of John. Because in the book of John, uh, Jesus gives us seven different I am statements. Jesus tells us who he is. He doesn't, he doesn't we don't have to go in and kind of try and digest different scriptures to talk about who Jesus is. We can do that also, but Jesus actually just straight up tells us who he is. I, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the, the vine. I am the true vine. Right? We'll talk about a few more today, but I just, you know, we, we were looking at some of these and just, okay, what does this mean for me? The first week, what does it mean that Jesus is the light of the world? How, how, does, how can I build intimacy with the light of the world? The light of the world, we can walk in the light. <clears throat> Scripture tells us that we can walk in the light as he is in the light. As we walk in the light, we, we build relationship with him. We walk in humility, we walk in obedience, and we walk in the light. Week two, last week, we talked about I'm the true vine, and we talked about staying connected to the vine. And just the fact that he says true vine, there's false vines out there, no, not, not connecting ourselves to false vines, but staying connected to the true vine, getting our life from him and not from other false vines. Again, how? Obedience is a part of that, right? Jesus even says that, and also loving like Jesus loves. This week, we're going to dive into another one, actually two of Jesus's I am statements. Uh, they're found in the book of, obviously the book of John, but chapter 10. Uh, we're going to be in chapter 10 this morning, looking at actually the third and the fourth of Jesus's statements. Uh, I forgot to write down the Pew Bible page. I apologize, but Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, John chapter 10 is where we're going to be this morning. And uh, while you're turning there, I want to just get the whole thing in context. So we're going to be, we're going to read starting at verse 10. We're going to go for a little bit here. We're probably going to go for 16, 17 verses, I believe. And uh, chapter 10 really kind of puts us right square in the middle to Jesus having some disagreements with the Pharisees. They're trying to, to challenge him on some things. They're trying to, to push him on some things. They're trying to, to figure out why he is the way that he is. They're questioning for saying things like, I'm the light of the world, right? They're questioning who he's claiming to be. They're questioning why and how he could heal a man on the Sabbath, even though the Sabbath is meant to be holy. Why, why, could a, why can he heal a man that was born blind? Because if you were born blind, that meant that there was sin somewhere. And to be able to forgive that sin would take God. And he had to be forgiven before he could be healed. And so he had to be God. But if he's not, they didn't believe he was God, right? So they're trying to just question and push and prod. And after all of that, Jesus begins to speak these words 
in John chapter 10. So we find ourselves sort of in the midst of dialogue, in the midst of discussion and debate between Jesus and the Pharisees. And Jesus begins to say this in chapter 10. <clears throat> very, very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by his name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this pen, sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. We'll stop there this morning. So, in this passage, we have these two I am statements of Jesus. The first one, I am the gate. I am the gate for the sheep. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. This is actually pretty parallel with the, actually the number six I am statement found in John 14 when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Uh, these, these two I am statements are pretty, pretty similar, pretty parallel. What is Jesus saying here? He, he's, no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus holding no punches here with the Pharisees. He's basically saying this, I'm the Messiah. I am the one who was to come. I am the one who is bringing salvation here. I come from God. I'm the Messiah. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. I am the gate with which the sheep go. It's, it's me. The only difference in these two statements in John chapter 10 and John chapter 14 is the audience. In John chapter 10, Jesus is talking to Pharisees. He's saying, look, I, he's kind of using this image here, right? He's, I'm, using, I'm using the sheep pen image. I'm the gate for the sheep pen. Chapter 14, he's not talking to the Pharisees. He's talking to his disciples. This is part of the Last Supper again that we talked about last week in John chapter 15. And he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No imagery to the disciples. No, like, 
no cute sheep imagery over here talking to the disciples. He's just laying it bare. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Right? Talking to the Pharisees, he's still speaking in parables. This is the way that Jesus taught a lot of the times. To his disciples, sometimes he would just tell them how it is. To other people, he would usually tell stories, tell parables. And this is one. I'm the gate for the sheep. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Two parallel, two parallel images, parallel circumstances, but the message of these two statements is clear, and no explanation is needed, no explanation is given, really, in either circumstance, right? I'm the one. I'm the Messiah. I'm sent by God to be the, the way by which you will enter into a saving relationship with him once again. This is me. I'm the gate. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. We'll talk a little more about the second one as we get into Easter here, the way, the truth, the life. But we'll, that, we'll just leave it there for the gate. I am the gate. I'm the Messiah. He's basically claiming his divinity, claiming his godhood, claiming the fact that he is the Messiah in this. It's this second statement that he spends a lot more time on. I am the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. And he says it twice. I want to unpack this a little bit this morning. I want to unpack these two where he says, I'm the good shepherd. In verse 11 and verse 14, I'll just read these again. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are out of this pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. I am the good shepherd. I think it's interesting that he says good there, sort of like when he says I'm the true vine last week that we talked about. I'm the good shepherd. What does that mean? That means there's some not so great shepherds out there. Not so great people that are leading people astray. Not so good examples that are leading people in ways that are not God's ways. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the one, I'm gathering my sheep. I'm pushing my sheep. I'm, I'm opening the gate. I am the gate, right? I, I am the good shepherd. You can follow me. My sheep know my voice. Now this week, I'm the good shepherd. Says he lays down his life for his sheep. We'll talk about that in a few weeks as we get into Easter as well. But before we go any further, we might need to talk about who those sheep are, because he's talking about us. If Jesus is the good shepherd and he has sheep, we are the sheep. And I'll just put this clearly, not necessarily a compliment. Not necessarily a compliment to be called a sheep. You know, side note, there's a pastor that I listen to sometimes and he uh, is not a cat person. And he says he... he Crack this when he was talking about this passage. He said, uh, you know, sheep are mentioned more than any other animal in Scripture. There's 200 of them, 200 mentions of sheep in Scripture. Dogs are mentioned 40 times. He says, cats, zero. Unless you're talking about a lion, which Scripture says Satan is like a lion. So you can, you can follow that wherever you want with cats. Right? He said, <laughs> so if you're not a cat person, there you go. There's some, some ammo for you. Uh, but, but why sheep? It's not a compliment to be a sheep. It's not a compliment to, to be called that. I'll, I'll tell you that much. Have you ever had sort of a, a, a dumb pet? You know, the, the dog that will chase the imaginary ball. You, you fake throw it and they're looking for it for like 10 minutes. Or the cat who chases shadows on the wall. Or, you know, just this, this animal that you're just like, oh my, what, 
what is going on here? You know, how, how are you doing this? What, why is this fun for you? I don't understand this at all, right? Have you had those kind of pets? We could tell stories. You could watch videos of dumb animals all day long, and it would be a great laugh. But I'll tell you this. Sheep take the cake. Sheep are, are probably the dumbest animal in the world. And, and let me just tell you a little bit about sheep. Sheep get lost easily, and this has been known forever. Even Isaiah chapter 53 says that we all, like sheep, have gone astray. <laughs> sheep get lost easily. They go, and they don't really know where they're going. They just leave. You know, it's not uncommon for sheep to just walk away from the flock and from the shepherd and just, just be gone. The grass is greener on the other side, they say. You know, and, and I think this would make me happy. I'm going to go over here. And they just they get lost. Sheep are also defenseless. Most animals in the animal kingdom have defense mechanisms, but not sheep. They can't defend themselves. You read about David in the Old Testament, the shepherd boy fighting off the lions, fighting off the bears. You even read about Jesus saying this, like the wolf comes and the shepherd runs. He doesn't want to fight. The sheep aren't going to do anything. The wolf comes and he scatters the sheep. Sheep are, are defenseless. If David didn't fight off the bears or the lions, those sheep die. They can't defend themselves. Sheep are stubborn. Stubborn animals. I once read that, that sheep are so stubborn that if they walk in between two rocks and they get stuck, they won't use reverse. <laughs> they just keep pushing and pushing until someone comes and just yanks them out because they, they just don't get it. They're just stubborn. I can do this. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going through these rocks. I'll get to the other side. Sheep are also really filthy. And you're like, Pastor Chris, but every sheep that I've seen is perfectly white. Every picture book that I see has a white sheep in it. Tell you what, those sheep have been power washed. <laughs> because sheep, are, sheep don't have the ability to clean themselves. They can't. They won't. They're just dirty. And all of these reasons are reasons why sheep need a shepherd. There's plenty more reasons, but they are all reasons why sheep need a shepherd. And as I, I think about those, and I think Jesus is calling us sheep, and I think, yeah, I just, you could have picked a better animal. You know, like I, I, I would have rathered you pick something else instead of calling us sheep. But the more I think about it, the more I kind of process that, I think, you know, it's actually probably pretty appropriate. Because think, think about this. Maybe you've been here with me. There's been a lot of times where I just kind of wander spiritually in my life. I don't really know where I'm at. I'm lost. Saw some grass that was, thought it was greener. I don't really know where I'm at. And it's not until the shepherd comes and gets me that I, that I know where I'm at again. Now, there's, there's been a lot of times in my life where I've felt defenseless and powerless, where I've gone through a dark time and not, I didn't know how to defend myself. I didn't know how to kind of push back against the darkness. I didn't know how to, how to fight. And Jesus came and fought my battles. Right? There's been times in my life where, where I get stubborn. I know, I'm, I know I'm the only one in here like this, but I just keep pushing. I find myself in between a rock and a hard place, and I just keep trying to push through the rock. Sometimes it takes the shepherd, Jesus, to pull me out and say, oh, this is, go this way. I don't know about you, but there's been times where I've felt pretty spiritually filthy. And it wasn't until I was washed with the blood of the shepherd that I could be clean. Amen. 
Man, the sheep is actually just a great metaphor. <laughs> so we can be offended all we want by Jesus calling us a sheep, but that's why we need a shepherd. Which brings us back to where we started. What makes Jesus the good shepherd? Why is Jesus a good shepherd? What makes Jesus the good shepherd? What are some of the ways that the good shepherd helps us as we build intimacy with him? Here's, here's what, here's, there's a few things that I want to talk about this morning. The shepherd, the good shepherd, Jesus, calls us to follow. Amen. The good shepherd calls us as his sheep to follow him. You get back to even just the first five verses here. You know, very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Oh, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The, she the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he has brought them out all on his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. But they recognize the shepherd's voice when the shepherd calls. The shepherd calls his sheep to follow and he calls them by name and they know his voice. Pastor Chris, I just don't know if I, if I know the voice of Jesus. Are you talking audible? What are you talking about? I've never heard that before. And I'm saying that absolutely God can speak audibly, but God will speak in so many different ways. God can speak through your circumstances. He can speak through a, circum, uh, through, a, through a conversation that you're having, all kinds of different ways, and we hear him because we know his voice. We know his voice, and you're saying, I can't hear him, I, I, I don't know his voice, and I, I'll tell you, there's probably one of two reasons why you cannot hear and you cannot understand the voice of God, and here's what they are. I want you to picture this with me. If you were to blindfold me, and you were to put me in the sanctuary or in the, in the fellowship hall over here with a hundred women. One of them is my wife and they're all talking. And you said, find your wife. I could find her. And I would know exactly where she is because I can hear it. I can hear her voice. And it probably wouldn't take me that long. You put a hundred women in there and I would hear her voice and I could probably even get within five feet of her without running into a table or whatever. <laughs> you know? But I could get close because I know her voice. Amen. Now, if I blindfolded you and I said, find my wife. Some of you might have some issues. Others might know because you know her voice. If you can't find her, I know one of two things. Either one, you don't know my wife. Or two, you haven't talked with her enough to know her voice. The same is true as the shepherd calls his sheep. Amen. If you know him and you know his voice, yes, you will be able to pick it out of anything. You'll be able to hear God speaking through circumstances, through conversations with other people. You'll be able to hear God speak to you in, in a lot of different ways because you know the voice of the shepherd. 
And not only does he call his sheep, but he, he calls them by name. The shepherd knows your name. Just think about how, how amazing that is. When, when someone calls you by name, doesn't that change things? When you walk into a room of people that you don't really know and someone says, Hey, Chris, man, all of a sudden walls fall down. I feel good because someone knows me. The shepherd knows you and he calls you by name. The shepherd calls to you. Key is the sheep need to listen. Here's the second thing the shepherd does is the shepherd guides. He shows us the way. Jesus came to earth. He humbled himself, <clears throat> became 100% man, 100% God. We call it the incarnation. The, the human Jesus was born in the exact same way that each of us was. Human Jesus had a belly button. <laughs> Scripture tells us about Jesus' humanity all over the place. We see that Jesus slept. We see that Jesus got hungry. We see that he got mad. He cried. He loved. He was nervous. He was stressed to the point of sweating blood. He was human, just like we are. Here's the only thing. Jesus came, and he lived the life that he calls all of us to live. He guides us. We say this all the time. Jesus came, and he lived the life that we could not live. He died the death that we deserve to die, so that we might be with him for eternity. But this first part, Jesus lived the life that we could not live. Jesus came, and he lived the perfect, sinless life. He is the guide for the sheep. He's our guide. Now, will we ever be perfect like him? No, we will never be God. <laughs> God is the perfect one. We will be perfect again when we are called to heaven. Does that mean we don't try? No. I knew as a kid that I would never be like Michael Jordan. Uh, I just did it actually last night. I finished a puzzle of Michael Jordan. Uh, so this is kind of fresh in my mind. I knew as a kid that I would never, I would never be like Michael Jordan, but I would try. <laughs> I would be out in my front yard, and I would be playing basketball, and I would try and do his moves. I would even stick my tongue out like him. I would do all kinds of stuff. It doesn't have to be Michael Jordan. It could be any basketball player. Back then, I was big into the University of Arizona. Those were like my heroes back then. I grew up in Arizona. Mike Bibby, Jason Terry, some of you guys might know some of these names. I would just be out of my yard. All right, I'm this guy, I'm Richard Jefferson. I'm these, you know, I'm these guys. Playing basketball, these are my heroes. They were good, they won, they won championships. I wanted to be like those guys. Could I? Probably not. <laughs> maybe, maybe I could. Did it stop me from trying? No. I wanted to be like that. I, they, they, were, they were showing me what it was like to play basketball. They were showing me an example of what a good basketball player was, what they did, how they performed on the court, the way that they interact with other people, how they played defense, the way that they talked to each other. There was all kinds of different things that I could watch them and I could learn the game of basketball. I could watch Michael Jordan. I could see his competitiveness. I could see everything about him and it made me, okay, this is what it means to be the best player in the world. This is what it is. Could I be the best player in the world? Probably not. Did it stop me from trying? No, it didn't. Right, the same thing is true with our relationship with Jesus. Jesus came and he lived a life that we could not live. Does that stop us from trying? Absolutely not. We try and live the life that God is calling us 
to live. We, we push on towards that goal. We, we do that. The cool thing of Jesus is he didn't just lead by example. He came and he taught us how to be in relationship with him as well. He taught in parables, which I was talking about earlier. He tells stories. Uh, it's kind of the stop. Today our culture is more of a tell like it is kind of culture. We don't like telling stories. We don't hear it. We just, tell me what it's like. Give me one minute of what this is. I don't have attention to listen to your whole story. <laughs> Back then, Jesus taught his stories. Right? And the better storyteller you were, the more followers you would have. Stories are easier to remember. Some of you can still remember the story that I told of youth ministry being a high school camp and a kid getting injured and his kneecap being in the wrong spot. You can, some of you can hear that story, me telling that story. Right, you remember stories. We, we remember stories. Stories stick longer than facts. We will remember, if you're a basketball fan like me, you'll remember that St. Peter's got into the Elite Eight. You'll be able to remember that more than you remember who wins next weekend. Because it's Cinderella's story. We love stories. They stick more than facts. And Jesus told stories about what it looks like to be in relationship with God. Stories about loving your neighbors and your enemies. And so many different stories. The Good Shepherd came to, to show us the way. To tell us how to live. He is our guide. It's our responsibility as the sheep to follow him, to listen to the voice of the shepherd and to follow. The last thing that we see here is that Jesus, well, not the last thing, but this is the last thing we're going to talk about today. The last thing we'll talk about today is that the good shepherd is willing to sacrifice for us. And I said is, but I should have said was. He was willing to sacrifice for us. Jesus came, he lived the perfect life, and he died the death that we deserve to die. Shepherds would have to constantly sacrifice for the sheep. Jesus is no different. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes would have everlasting life. Jesus came and is the sacrifice that makes relationship with God possible. But why? The why is this. The punishment for sin is death. Romans chapter 6 says that the wages of sin is death. There's a but there. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. Think back to what you know about Adam and Eve. They, they were in the garden. God told them not to eat of the fruit of the tree or they would surely die because the wages of sin is death. God promised that humans would die from their sin. God doesn't go back on his promises, but the promise of God requires an innocent death. And Jesus came to be that for us. The promise from God was that Jesus would come, that Jesus would sacrifice so that you and I might live with him for eternity. Jesus came lived the life we, des- we could not live, died the death that we deserve to die, so that we might be with him forever. This is the gospel. Jesus is the good shepherd, and that honestly is the gospel. He was willing to come and to sacrifice for us. So up until Jesus came to the earth and died, people had to sacrifice animals all the time just to be forgiven. They'd sacrifice lambs and goats and doves, and all of which was to show their repentance, to show a sacrifice and be sacrificially forgiven for their sin. But Jesus came, and he is the lamb who came for our sins. He is the innocent one who came to die. Jesus is our sacrifice. The same Jesus who calls you to follow him, who, who shows you the way to actually do that, sacrificed himself to make it possible. This is why he is the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. So here's the question for today. Do you know the good shepherd? 
Do you know the voice of the good shepherd? Are you following the good shepherd? Or are we stuck in being a sheep? Stuck in our stubbornness? Stuck in our filth? Going our own way? Doing our own thing? Or are we following the good shepherd? I think as we think about building intimacy with God this year, I think this imagery of Jesus being the good shepherd is is huge for us. What does it look like? What does it mean to follow the good shepherd? That's the challenge this week. Do you know the good shepherd? Do you know his voice? Are you following the good shepherd? And if not, what shepherd are you following? Because we're still sheep. <laughs> so there's a shepherd somewhere. And if not the good shepherd, who is it? What is it? Let's pray about that this week. Let's pray. God, God, we love you. We are so grateful for you, grateful for your presence, grateful for the ways in which you move in our lives. And God, I just am, I I just, I'm so blessed that you are the good shepherd. That you took this sheep out of a place of filth, that you took the sheep out of a place of, of stubbornness and put me on the path towards you. God, thank you for for taking my sheep brain and, and moving it towards you, God. We thank you so much for being the good shepherd. God, as we go forward this week, my prayer is that we would, we would follow the good shepherd. We would be one with the good shepherd. That we would know your voice. That we would listen to your voice, God. That you would you'd speak clearly to us. That we would begin to, if we can't hear your voice, that you would speak clearly. That we'd begin to know what it sounds like. That we would know what to listen for as we listen for your voice, God. We thank you so much that you know us by name, that you call us by name. God, we are blessed to be here. We're blessed to follow the good shepherd. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? As we go, I'll pray a blessing over you. I do just want to also invite you. We are having our annual church meeting after church. Uh, you're more than welcome to come. There's lunch, free lunch in there. Um, and I think some of you have brought desserts and sides and different things to join us, but you're more than welcome to join. Uh, I don't know, first time here? Come on in, let's go. Uh, it doesn't matter. So let's, uh, here's, a, here's a blessing for you this morning. May our God, the Good Shepherd, speak to you in a voice that you can hear clearly this week. And may you follow as a sheep the Good Shepherd. And as you do, may you make a difference wherever you may find yourself. Go in grace, go in peace, go in love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for coming this morning.